Wow. Break every chain in Jesus' name. Don't let the enemy tell you your prayers make no difference because God's here in our Christ. You know, there's three vineyards in the Ukraine. Three vineyards, like our church in the Ukraine. And we're believing God to break the chains of this, this tyrant and just cut the head off the snake and just pray. You can pray violent prayers. You don't pray wimpy prayers when it comes to evil. You pray authority in, in the name of Jesus, whether it's attacking your home or another country, people we care uh, dearly uh, about. So uh, just on a little side note, then we have a celebration. So next Sunday after this service is our next UIO, Upward, Inward, and Outward. It's our new members course. If you haven't been through it, you haven't had a chance to make discover what it means to be part of the Vineyard family, we'd love you to have just write UIO in your card. We have lunch, child care. Love to have you come. It'll be fun. We'll meet in the, uh, in the gap right after the second service next week. So why the Scottish garb, everybody's wondering? Well, we've been looking for an excuse, and it was a bet won. Not a bet lost. My, my manhood was challenged by some friends that said, we'll sponsor a couple extra kids to Convoy of Hope if you wear that kilt on Sunday. Guess what? I'm all in. We're all in. So thank you for the challenge, Phil, our national director, former national director. When your national director questions your salvation and challenges you, you just go all in. And then Brian, this is Brian McLeese from Convoy of Hope. So Brian, come on up. Brian is one of our dearest friends, and we, we met like right over here a lifetime ago uh, at, a, at a conference from, uh, at a conference from uh, 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 Africa. I think we were doing an Africa conference, yeah. missions, and Costa. we met, met uh, with Costa. And yeah. So we've just been, and it just worked out, funny how God does that, that he's able to be here on the Sunday. We're announcing how many sponsored Children, now remember when you held a finger up last week, that finger is tied to your checkbook. You have to follow the finger to the, or the internet, use the card, and you, you, you don't just hold fingers up. We're not just finger holders, we're back up the finger. So we need you sponsor a child, 120 bucks, $10 a month for one child. So tell us what, what, what's, why would we want, even want to do that, Brian? Well, I just want to say my Uncle Jim. Uh, used to distill whiskey in the Wyoming mountains. And he said, Brian talks cheap, takes money to buy good whiskey. Talks cheap, takes so, money to buy good whiskey. So thank you for putting your fingers on. Uh, I'm just moved this morning. Obviously, I've been in the first service. And uh, we've been praying. We've been bragging about you. Because it, it means so much uh, much, much more. Like we, we celebrate around a meal and we gather and, and it's important to celebrate after the couple of years we've been through to finally have meals together. And God visit us when we have meals together. He does some of his best work around a meal still. And with our, our feeding program and the places that we are during COVID to be able to expand into new countries and, and feeding children now in 26 nations. 26. 26 nations and come on that's that's yeah and, and we 
we picked those nations strategically because of the level of poverty and where those meals are fed, it means even more. It's hard for us to get our heads around what a meal can mean, but when it's provided in a school, not off the back of a truck, but in a school, a public school, and a local church gets to be there and volunteer at the public school, and then is given entree and opportunity to share the message of the kingdom of Jesus. And that child's life can be transformed to the extent through learning about leadership and hygiene and all the things that we take for granted here. They can become leaders in their community. And get this, they won't be uh, leaning into us to feed their grandchildren. Mm. They're going to be able to feed their own. It's a sustainable hope that you guys are getting in um, on the ground level with. And two or three years ago, Kim and Jamie, we sat at a table and we listened to our goal set for 2025. At the time, three years ago, we were feeding 180,000 kids in schools every day. But we set a goal, like you did, for 300 kids. We looked at all the churches and said, can we not reach a half a million children by 2025? What year is it right now? 2022. And this is the first church I've gotten to share this. I have permission to share this. That right now, thanks to you and your influence around the country, other churches participating, we're feeding every day now 465,143 kids. Woo, come on. And the promises in Isaiah 58, Jamie's preaching this morning. It's an important message, you guys. I want you to lean in. But the Lord gave me Isaiah 58 this morning for you guys. And he said, if you'll share your bread with the poor, and you'll welcome the homeless into your home, we're empowering that to happen in Ukraine right now. I can't give specifics. We don't want to put our beneficiaries or our partners at risk. But I can tell you this. Before the tanks were rolling into Ukraine, we were setting up to bring hope into Ukraine. The promise of Isaiah, when we align ourselves with Jesus, he says, your light will break forth like a new dawn. So to you guys, I want to say thank you and good morning. Thank you, Brian. So with that, let's unveil what you guys have done. And we picked up from last service some extra, some more. So we're standing right now. We, our goal is 300, but no, no, that's a wrong number. That's a wrong number. Get the right number up there. That's, a, that's an old number. We've shattered 400. We're over 400, and what is it? 400, they're scrambling back there trying to get an icon up there that says the right number on it. But we're at like four, let's just say 405, somewhere in that ballpark. We're like shattered the 300 mark and gone beyond, and we just say, glory adios, amen? Glory to God. Now, after the first service, one of our folks came up and said, we need to do more. So they said, we'll match up to $10,000 for Ukraine from this church. So if we raise 10, we'll have 20. 
So I'd love you to pray about participating in the challenge uh, and that money. There's three vineyards in the Ukraine, and that will go, but we'll work through convoy, and they'll know how to wisely distribute it. That's why we trust them uh, to do that. So some of you, maybe online, been waiting for something to do to help. There's a way. Practical. We want to raise $20,000, and I want to set a two-week limit on it because we need to get going. So in the next couple weeks, just write whatever, put convoy or Ukraine, uh, mark it on your check or do it online. And so we got a $10,000 commitment to match up to 10,000. So uh, I, I was just blown away. And I was like, all right, bring it, bring it, Jesus, because I want to do something tangible. We're praying. And I got guys in the church that are ready to go there. And, and I know that, that, you know, we just, but we'll be there. And our heart will be there in our giving, and uh, uh, we, we, just, uh, we just look forward to what God's going to do in spite of what the enemy's doing. Amen? All right. Joshua. Joshua is uh, notorious for fighting the Battle of Jericho. Some of you remember the old Joshua fit the Battle of Jericho, Jer- and the walls came tumbling down. But we so focus on the walls that we miss someone that lived on the walls. You get so focused in the book about just the miracle of marching around a, a stronghold of the enemy and watching God defeat the darkness, which is a beautiful picture. I mean, you know, I had people marching around my life that I didn't even know about as a lost pagan like Rahab was. And I had people in a, uh, they, I, I got a, 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 my buddy here turned 72 today, but his grandson, Greeny, uh, when I went to Fort Myers High, you know I'd worked that in. And Reese, graduate of Fort Myers High, your grandbabies. And this Pastor Gary from the Fort Myers Vineyard. So say happy birthday to him, but don't, don't sing. Don't sing. I don't want to ruin his birthday. <laughs> there was a reason that came up. Marching around. There was, so I went to Fort Myers High, and I met uh, in, in church after I came to Jesus. I never knew anybody ever prayed for me. I had no concept that someone would pray for me. I didn't have a praying family. I was a first-generation Christian, walking with Jesus, a, 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 a baptized in the name of Jesus, still wet, follower of Jesus. And I met this, uh, this, this youth at a youth meeting at a church, and they said, you know what? We used to pray for you. I said, what? He said in high school, they were part of a Christian group, and they determined who were the least likely students in each high school in Lee County, and my name got chosen. That was my award. You won't find that in any yearbook, that Jamie won the award of least likely to be a Christian, but God loves to go to the least likelies, doesn't he? Come on. Don't limit what he can do. And they were walking around me in prayer, and I never even knew it. And the walls came down, and I came to Jesus, and this is what happened to Rahab. The spies went out. They met in her home. She hid them. She ran a a prostitute, uh, a Harlem, that she she was the the head prostitute, not the one that you would probably align yourself with to think, I'm going to rescue somebody there. I'm, I'm sure there was some, quote, better people in the city. 
but there weren't people that were more open to the good news of the living God that had come to take charge and take authority. So in this story, she puts the ribbon outside her door and, and, and they made an oath that if when we come to, to destroy the city, when we see that ribbon, the, the red marking the blood of Jesus, we will protect you. You'll be protected. So she held it out. We talked about that last week, that God rescued Rahab. Now I want to pick up the story because God never just rescues us and says, good, let's go to the next. Next. He never leaves us where he finds us. Aren't you glad that when he rescued me at 18 years old, I was lost, empty, blind. I, I just it used it, evil. But he didn't just say, I forgive you, son. Now go figure it out. He started the journey. It ain't over yet. You don't graduate this side of the resurrection, but he's been working on taking me for his kingdom, possessing the possessions he's promised me. Let's pick up the story in chapter 6 of Joshua, where he comes in, verse 22. It says, Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go to the prostitute's house, bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in, brought out Rahab. They didn't drag her out. She was ready to go. They brought her out. Brought her out with her father, her mother, her brothers, and all who belonged to her. They brought out the entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Verse 24, then they burned the whole city everything in it, but they put the silver, gold, and articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house, but, in other words, that's not all the treasure, but Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, and her family, and all who belonged to her, because she hid the men Joshua had sent to be spies. She lives among the Israelites to this day. Three times she's referred to as a hooker. Now, how would you like that tagged on your name? You know, you come to the, welcome to the vineyard. Where are you from? You know, I'm Wilma the prostitute. Well, hey, Wilma, where'd you practice prostitution at? What's it? Let's see. I'm Rahab the prostitute. And, but it seemed, remember we said a number of weeks ago that defining a Christian as just a sinner saved by grace is not a good definition of a Christian. So you might think, well, maybe God's calling her to the prostitute three times in Joshua, two times in the New Testament. She makes it to the hall of faith. Hebrews, let's throw that up. Hebrews eleven thirty one. She makes it to the, what's called the hall of faith of all the, you know, Abraham and Moses and Isaac. And then it goes through the who's who. She busts in there by faith, the prostitute. There it goes again. Now, what are you trying to keep her head down? Trying to keep her humble? What's it? The prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those that were disobedient. See, God rescued her, but did he just leave her as the hooker? No, he rescued her. The reason she could hold her head up is because what God did to Eve in the garden is the same way. Remember, he killed an animal and he made, designed, crafted a beautiful, ornate garment and he clothed Eve. Come here, honey. You'll be the Holy Spirit today. And uh, 
I want, Vicki, come here. Just pull on somebody. I know you have, you know, you grew up in Sunday school and went to church your whole life and have no past, but pretend you have a past and, and, and we won't define her as Vicki the drug addict or anything like that. We would never do anything like that. But, but how could you keep your head up? Well, see, pretend you're kind of a, in the line of, of Rahab. And so God takes the best garment, like the prodigal son's dad, and he takes that garment. He doesn't just say you're forgiven. He puts the clothes, covers, removes, and imparts his righteousness to Rahab. And now he says, you're my daughter. Hold your head up. You're the daughter of the king of the universe. You're not a prostitute anymore. You're a daughter of the king. And so now Rahab, can you call her a prostitute all day long? Because she's wearing, you, you can't get, shame can't get through. Condemnation doesn't touch it. Bounces off. Mocking, no. It's who she became in the forgiveness and goodness and right. She's called in the book of James. She's called righteous. Yes, her deeds exposed that or, or exemplified that. But she became something in the spirit through the power of the blood that was someday coming to the Lord Jesus. So you're righteous in Christ. You wear that robe. The bad news in this story is you got to give that coat back. But now I got it off. So I was a little warm in it, but I'd give it to you, you know, but it wouldn't fit well. But Ken would be a little jealous and he'd want one. So give her a hand. She did a good job. She happens to be on our church council and has been on there for years, and she's a, a warrior in the kingdom of God, and we're grateful for you, Vicki. So, so Rahab, he didn't just, didn't just redeem her. I mean, redemption isn't just forgiveness. It's not just rescue. Where it says that Joshua saved her in verse 25, Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute. The word spared there was was more than just kept alive. It's, it's, it's to make alive. It means to be brought back to life. And in a sense, she was dead. The ban that God put on Jericho, in essence, killed everybody before they ever got there. You're under the judgment, the ban. You're dedicated to destruction. You're done. She was dead in her trespasses and sins, as the Apostle Paul describes himself in the book of Ephesians. And so Joshua rescues her, but he, he, he raises her. He doesn't just bring her out with her head down. I, I love what it says to, to the Israelites when they left Egypt. It says they went out with a high hand. They didn't go out like this. I'm just a worthless, no good Israelite that's been a slave for many years. And, but by the grace of God, he's taken me. Now they went out, heads up, on their way out. They're pillaging. The people are so glad they're gone. They're giving them their jewels. They're giving them their wealth. They're pouring out. Just go, just leave, leave. And, and many of them came with the Israelites. It wasn't just Israelites that left Egypt. It was a mixed multitude. When God goes after Jericho, his motive is to save Rahab. Most people don't preach it that way. It's his motive is to destroy the wickedness. No, 
In wrath, God remembers mercy. God's mercy triumphs over judgment. God wants to show mercy. God will show vengeance if you reject his mercy. I'm telling you this. Joshua stood outside those gates and announced the terms of peace. You know this from Deuteronomy. He gave them an opportunity. Rahab took them up on it. The rest of them gave him the finger. And God when you reject his mercy, there's only the other side is his justice. Rahab said, I want mercy. How about you? You want mercy or you want justice? I want mercy. We want justice when it comes to our life from somebody else doing something to us. But in reality, I want mercy. I need mercy. I need God's mercy. His mercies are new every morning and great is his fail. Why do they new every morning? Because I need them every morning. I need mercy. I'm not ashamed to ask for mercy. I'm not ashamed to say, God, without your mercy, I'm nothing. And Rahab, now she moves from just being a, a prostitute and a pagan, idol-worshiping, demonized woman. Now she comes out, and, she's, and she, it says she lives in Israel to this day. Now, there's a romance going on in this story that I love. I can't prove it, but you can't disprove it either. There were two spies. We know that they had connections with Rahab. She had to be something about her that was beautiful. There had to be a beauty about Rahab because the light of God filled her being. Do you ever see pictures of Mother Teresa? Now, you won't find a more homely-looking woman in the natural. She was just homely. But she's so, there's a beauty to her face in spite of the wrinkles, in spite of the aged, there's a beauty reflected in her that the world doesn't understand because the world wants to force an outwardness to try to form something inward in beauty. There was a beauty to Rahab that one of those spies, I think, caught his eye. He saw courage of a woman that put her life on the line for her family. That's the kind of woman you want to go for. It's a woman that says, my family's worth more to me than my safety. That's the kind of woman you want to look for. God gave me a woman like that. God gave me a woman that wouldn't let her children go to hell. She wept and cried and fasted and prayed and interceded because she had courage. God had rescued her. And he, when you get rescued by God, you are deposited into the ministry of rescuing others. To be rescued makes you a rescuer. And I'm not talking about in some dysfunctional, you know, uh, codependent way. I'm talking about the good news of Jesus. Rahab had a story to tell. Rahab had met the living God, had come out of bondage, had come out of, and so now she's in Israel. The story doesn't end there. How do you know that, Jamie? It's not, not imagination. She's mentioned again. Next time you hear, you hear her mentioned with her husband. Her husband, whose name was Salmon, not Solomon, but Salmon, S-A-L-M-O-N. Salmon, I believe, because he's from the tribe of Judah, which was the strongest tribe, which would have been the one that said, I'm going in to spy out the land. I can't prove that, but I think Salmon went in and was a redeemer for Rahab, who turned out to be his wife. Whoever, however, they get married, Salmon marries Rahab. 
now who is a living God follower. And they have a child. The thing about faith is that faith is transferred, not just by, by physical generation. Faith is transferred. You, you might adopt a child. You may foster a child. But you can transfer faith into that child. Just like when you serve in children's ministry, or if you ever thought about it, you can, you can deposit in others what God has put in you. It's not just by physical generation that, that good thing. But can you imagine if you have a redeemer dad that risked his life to go after a harlot, and you have a redeemed mother that stood for her whole family and said, I'm not leaving alone. I'm not leaving that mom. I'm not leaving without dad. I'm going to bring my brothers and sisters. You're coming with me. Can you imagine the influence she exerted? I love this woman. She's a hero. She couldn't drag them, but she could invite them. She couldn't force them, but she could woo them. She showed some happened in her. The light came on. Listen to me. Every one of you has a story. If you know Jesus, you got a story. It doesn't have to be, I was in prison and, you know, I was a biker and I got 19,000 arrests on my record and I came to Jesus. Okay, that's good. You could have just been a simple business person that realized that life's empty. You tried to work hard to get somewhere and you got there and you realized it was nowhere and there was still a big hole and you found out that that Christ can fill that hole. That's a story to tell. You know how many people need that story? I'm not saying we don't need to see people come out of drugs and get set free. But people that have no purpose in life. I, I used to, one of the things that used to grieve me the most about my dad, his only purpose he had was building buildings and, and, and taking care of his family, which was good. But he didn't have a, a sense of a higher calling. You can build buildings and still be unfulfilled. You can even work hard and support your family. But, but you need something more. You need something compelling that says, I'm doing this for something that means something to God. I'm doing this for his honor and glory. I'm doing this to make a difference in this world. Rahab had a story to tell. And you don't think when you put Rahab with Solomon, if he was a spy or not, two heroes give birth to a baby hero. The baby hero grows into a man. He lives in Israel, and he spots this pretty, poor servant girl in the fields named Ruth. And if you go to the book of Ruth, you'll find that the story continues generationally because now Rahab becomes the mama of a good young man. I'm grateful for moms that raised good young men. I've got... I've got some son-in-laws that were raised right, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful that they raised their son to take care of our daughter. That's what you want as a family, don't you, family? You got those of you that have children unmarried, especially daughters. God, give me a man that's going to care for my daughter, God, with a good heart, that'll keep her safe, that'll protect her, that'll be honorable to her, that I don't have to fear her being abused by or misused or mistreated. And, 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 and again, that can come through salvation, obviously. But when you got a mama and a daddy like Rahab and Solomon, they had this baby named Boaz. 
He becomes the kinsman redeemer for this Moabite woman that had married an Israelite. Naomi went to her land, ran from a famine. The book of Ruth tells you the whole story. You can read it later. She goes there and her sons marry two Moabite women. Both sons die. She says to the women, I'm going back home to my people in Israel. You can stay here. And one of them kisses her and says goodbye. The other one throws herself at her feet and says, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. She'd been not just converted to the family, she'd been converted to the faith of the family. And so Ruth follows her mother-in-law back, poor as as they could possibly be. And they need redemption. They need their land purchased. And they need a seed to carry on. And here comes Boaz, the redeemer. And he fights for, he sacrifices for this woman, Ruth. And then they have little, little, little Obi, little Obed. They have little Obed. Well, it's no big deal. Boaz and Ruth have a little baby. Grandma is, is, is. Rahab, what a story. Can you imagine the story she told her grandson? Come on. Grandma, tell us again about those walls coming down. Now tell us when you met your Solomon. Tell us when you met Grampy. Oh, the look, did you know the first sight? I knew the first sight. I saw him stunningly handsome, but I saw in him the light of that living God that I had met. No, that's what attracted me. Men, those of you that aren't married, I'm going to tell you something. If you want to get one up on most guys, it won't be by your looks. Let me just help all of you. You're in trouble. You're going you're gonna to be in trouble. But if you want to one-up the guy, your competition, just walk with Jesus. Just have light in you. Be a man of integrity. Be a man that treats a woman with dignity and honor. And that's what Solomon did in one Rahab's heart to have their baby, baby, Boaz, Boaz marries Ruth. Ruth has a baby, named him little Obed. No big deal. Obed has a baby. He gets, grows up, gets married. He has a little baby. His baby's name is Jesse. Okay. He got baby, little, little Obi, little Jesse. What's the big deal? Next, put Matthew uh, up there, Matthew 1. They have a little baby named David. Jesse's got a bunch of little boys. One of them's a little runt. Little, little scrubby looking kid that loves to sing, loves music. He's, you know, next thing you know, he's killing a giant. Smacked him right between the eyes with a rock. Took him down and became the next king of Israel. And if you keep following the bloodline, you come back as Matthew does. Matthew brings up, now Jesse, who was the son of Obed, Who's, so that would make his great-great-grandmother was Rahab. So Jesse is the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, which is um, Bathsheba. Nobody in their right mind puts in their bloodline that you're, if you're a pure Jew, you don't celebrate that you got in the lineage, you got a Moabite woman and a Canaanite woman. You got an idol worshiping Moabite and you got a whore that's a Canaanite. And that's my great, 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 great grandma. Woo! And I'm Jesus. 
If you did a 23andMe test on Jesus, you're coming right here. They're saying you got Moabite in you. You got Canaanite in you. You got a little hooker in you. You got a little Tamar in you, seduced her father-in-law to make a child. You got a little Bathsheba in you. Who brags about that, Jesus? Why? Because that's who he came to save. He came to redeem the Rahabs of his day. He came to redeem the Ruths. He came to redeem the Tamars and the Bathshebas and, and the Jamies and the Garys and the, you know, That's our Jesus. He's, he's got a dirty lineage. He's got a unholy heroes that got redeemed. But they didn't stay unholy because they wore those garments. And I just say today, you know, when your faith, it's not meant to be personal. It is personal. It's not meant to be individual, private. It's personal, but not private. Do you know the difference? Personal is a relationship. Private is selfish. It's fear. If you, when, when I came to Jesus, nobody taught me on a class on, you should care about your friends that don't know Jesus. If you need a class on, you should, and you found hope and the forgiveness of God and new life, did, did Rahab need a course on, you know, you probably ought to worry about your mom and dad. They don't know the God that you just met. You probably ought to help your friends that work with you in this horrible business. Maybe she produced children alone. They didn't have birth control. Rahab could have had a body. I don't know. Who knows? All I know is that when Jesus comes in, he, he teaches us to care what he cares for. Why would you care for people in Ukraine that you don't know? Because he cares for them. Why would you sponsor children that you'll never meet? Because he cares for them. And he uses us to be those two spies, those redeemers. And our mission is just to find other people that we can tell our simple story to. It doesn't have to be an elaborate story. It's just I, I, I found in my emptiness, Jesus filled the hole. I found through a broken marriage. I found through this failure. I found through that. I found Jesus gave me peace. Do you know that there's nothing more important in the entire world to people today than peace? In, inwardly. Now, we want peace in the world, but you can have peace all around you and be tormented inside. And so Rahab is this shining example of don't go to heaven alone. Share your story. She's also a shining example of generational blessings, that God's redemption, it works backwards. God goes backwards in our life and cleans up the mess. He doesn't undo the sin we've done but he overturns it. I can't explain all that, but it's marvelous. He doesn't just whoop, it's never there. He takes prostitution and redeems it into something that celebrates his redemption. That's why he doesn't tell let's not talk about it. Let's not talk, don't bring it up. Grandma got a past. Don't talk about it. Grandma been a bad girl. Sometimes I'll take my grandkids in the car and they're kind of getting under the gun by their mamas that we raised. And they're like, oh, Grampy, I guess, Mom, I just can't. Mom doesn't ever seem, she never does anything wrong. And I said, oh, let me just stop you right there. <laughs> Let's tell a few stories. Let's go down memory lane. Let's tell the story of punching Grandpa in the car 
while he's driving. And he has to drive and hold off while they're wailing away. And let's talk about that. Let's share a few of those little stories. Let's talk about in the back of the van when I smelled smoke in the car. And I said, I want the cigarettes now. No movement. She's in the third seat in an empty van and I'm driving. I want the cigarettes now. You got to understand in my world, that's like right under heroin. <laughs> heroin addict, smoker. I mean, I'm not judging. I'm just telling you my world. I'm a hypocrite. I get it. You know, I just, I just, anyway. I started screaming. My head spun around on my shoulders. Green soup came out of my mouth. Eyes rolled back. I want the blankety, blankety, blank cigarettes from the back of the van as they've been wadded the whole time I was going on a tirade whack hit me right in the back of the head I literally almost pulled the van over she wouldn't be alive today had I done that we don't know which one that was do we There was a point in that. Now you win a special prize if you can take us back. Thank you, Natasha. You, after all, oh, that was you, Carrie, that just said that? It was a tie. Y'all sound, that was you, Carrie? Carrie wouldn't have blurted it out. She might have whispered it and you blurted it out. That's how it goes down. I had friends like that. They would whisper the comment. I was stupid enough to scream it out in class. And then they'd be like, oh, no, I didn't say that. That wasn't me. In this case, it was a good thing. And she wants the credit. So you tell stories. Sometimes it's the best thing you'll do to your kids is tell them your struggles. And my kids, my granddads, times I've had to go to my grandsons and confess some sins that I, God had to take me out of. And you know how humbling that is as a pastor as a grandfather, to talk to his grandchildren and tell him my story about needing grace in some areas in my life that I'd compromised in. See, God celebrates us passing on our stories to the next generation. And he said, who knows? Kim prays for our great, 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 great grandchildren. I don't know how far that is. I can't even conceive of it. But somebody did it for you or you probably wouldn't have been. There's probably some grandparents in heaven or great-grandparents that cried out to Jesus for you to come to faith. They didn't see it in their lifetime, but their prayers, there's no shelf life on prayers. God doesn't say, oh, you died. That's too bad. We don't, we'll just put those prayers over here. He holds them, and he pours them out at the right time. Some of you today need to step across the line of faith and answer to the cries of ancestors that have cried out for you. We're fighting for the next generation and the generation after that as far as your faith can see until Jesus comes. If he interrupts this whole thing, then yeah, come Jesus. But let's don't go alone. Are you going to take anybody with you? You, you can't do it silently. You've got to pray for them. You've got to love on them. You've got to show them something's real in you, that you have hope. You're not perfect. You're not their savior. But Jesus is, and, and we've got to be a church that we had in the last service, we had a couple in, in their mobile home park and, uh, on the way to Sanibel. They've been ministering through the tornadoes, and they've been ministering to their neighbor. They've been bringing them to church. 
And they came, one, the man has stage four cancer. They came to Jesus today because somebody invested in them, invited them to church and cared about them. And that's, that's not easy stuff to do. And I'm sure not everybody they invite comes, but somebody will stay with it. You've got a story to tell. Don't you love the ways of God? He went after Rahab. He wasn't going to be happy until he found Rahab. He'd been thinking about Rahab when she was a baby. He'd been thinking about Rahab when she'd never thought about him. He'd been thinking about you before you ever started thinking about him. What kind of love is that? It's a love that refuses to let go. And I'm grateful for that love this morning. Let's pray. Wherever you're at, you might just be in a place of just really struggling and some issue in your life and let him come and help. But he's a redeemer. He he wants to rescue and restore. He, He doesn't just want to forgive. He wants to renew and restore what's been stolen from you. If you're here today and you've just not crossed that line of faith yet, you just don't have that personal relationship with Christ I don't care how many times you've been to church or what your religious background is or how you've tried to do this and tried to do that. Jesus wants you to know him personally. He wants you to invite him to come be the Lord of your life. So what do I do, Jamie? Just whisper a prayer. You might be online listening right now. Whisper for Jesus, come be Lord of my life. That's all Rahab did. She took what she heard of the living God and surrendered to him. She wasn't instantly anything. She met the living God who began the process of redemption in her life. Praying this prayer is not the end of anything. It's the beginning of a journey of following Jesus, growing in him. Some of you have been away from God. You're not only not taking people with you to heaven, you're driving away by the way you're living. People look at you and say, if that's what a Christian is, I don't want to be that. That's not good. You know better. It's one thing to live like that when you don't know better. Rahab didn't know better. When she did, she changed by the grace of God. In the blood veins of Jesus flows the blood of a redeemed prostitute named Rahab. Now, only God would have a story like that. And that blood that he bore in those veins was shed on a cross poured out so that she could be forgiven so that we could be forgiven so that you could be forgiven right now jesus could be lord of my life father give courage to those that need to be bold today and take a stand that not only will affect their lives but the ripple will go out to generations from now generations are at stake right now for someone to come to Jesus and you begin to take charge of their life, Lord. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Thank you. Let's stand up together. Just before we sing this last song, you know, the Bible says, Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. Jesus Christ is Lord is what it means to be a Christian. When you said you had five children today, five first-time children, ring, ring that bell right now. We, we got, ring that bell out there. Come on.
Five. That's seven. That's seven. But we're going over seven because God's got more. Woo! Good job, Jamie. Doesn't that make you, listen, if you, you want to, you know, I'm in the vineyard. I don't know what I could do to make a difference. Get in the kids' ministry. Go love on some babies. Watch those babies come to Jesus. Some of those babies are up here on the stage right now. Come on. There used to be a baby in our nursery. What are you doing up here? Leading us in worship. Come on. They was in you. Yeah. Someone else. This is your day. Join the children. Let the children lead you. That might have been some of your kids up there. I'm saying that for someone that may need to join them. I say yes to Jesus as my Lord. Anyone else? He's good. He's good. Four hundred plus children, buddy. And this is just a little bitty church. It really is. I mean, comparable. That's a. That's a. That's almost double what we did last year. Whew. Man, thank you, Lord. I think we should celebrate. Invite the Lord just to come and walk among us. He is our king. What a glorious king he is. Have you worn that? Have you put on that coat of righteousness? It's a gift. You don't earn it. You live into it. It's kind of like that scene if you saw Saving Private Ryan. Many people had died for one person to be saved. They looked at him and said, now earn this. That doesn't mean earn what you already have. You already have it. Just make it that it was worth the sacrifice for you to get it. When Christ puts that coat on, he says, now earn it. Not in a merit, I'll, I'll deserve it, but earn it in a, like Rahab. He put it on Rahab. Come on, wear it. Earn it. Bring your family with you. Become the mama of, of, of a Boaz that'll love and become the redeemer of a Ruth that becomes in the lineage of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Honey, come on up. Let's worship together.